you know, when you first started climbing, climbing V1, V2, you're probably able to do a muscle up at the time. Do you think that made it more difficult to develop skills in the early days of climbing because you were just so, so strong? Um, probably, yeah. You know, in, in hindsight, I'd have benefited from having an experienced climber essentially saying to me, take it easy, right? Relaxing. Because I could go in, you know, as he, as he said, I could go into a climbing centre and pretty much campus all the, all the easy stuff. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ask Lattice. So last time I was talking to Ed and we were talking about all things nutrition. So if you haven't seen that one, do go back and check it out. Today, however, we're talking about strength training and calisthenics. So stick around because Ed's got some cool things to talk about. Um, So I want to get a little bit into your strength training background and calisthenics. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll probably see Ed's got much bigger guns than me. Um, So you've got quite an extensive history in calisthenics training, right? And and strength training in general. And you did this before climbing. Yeah. So, I mean, I got into climbing now probably six, seven years ago. And prior to that... um, you know, I was training a lot in a, in a gym um, throughout university. As a youth, um, I was pretty much into every sport going, really. So I was very much into my training. Um, I always say to people, uh, they were like, oh, you're obsessed with, obsessed, with the, obsessed with the gym, obsessed with training. From the age of 14, I had a gym membership for my birthday. <laughs> and then every subsequent year following that. So, nice. um, yeah, I mean, I've, all, I've always kind of enjoyed uh, training. It's very much a yeah, kind of an enjoyment thing, even outside of the performance benefit amongst other sports. I like training for training yeah. uh, as well. And, um, yeah, when I got to university, that's when I really kind of got into, into strength training and probably did the kind of classic um, six-day-a-week um, sort of well, they call them a bro split now, but it was kind of a back and biceps, yeah. chest and triceps, that yeah. kind of stuff. And legs and with, shoulders. <laughs> interestingly, I was able to kind of motivate myself to train at a high frequency consistent, consistently with no real performance goal as such. I was just, as I said, training for enjoyment, um, you know, enjoying getting stronger. And um, things did change a little bit when I started to get into climbing because I, I acknowledge that if I want to get better at climbing, I've got to actually climb. And, you know, I can't be carrying this fatigue from all this training. And obviously, once I'd graduated, I was working and, and things like that. So had to be a little bit smarter in the way that I trained and the, the approach that I took. And uh, one of the things for me was implementing more calisthenics-based training because it was something that I could do at the, at the climbing wall. So, you know, following a session, I could do bodyweight exercises. And, and uh, again, I was quite influenced by... Um, some of the very kind of elite level calisthenics athletes on, uh, on on Instagram and things like that. And I'd watch these videos of people doing, you know, really impressive feats of strength and think, oh, that just looks super cool. Like, I really yeah. quite like to do that. Um, but it also interested me that it was all, you know, body weight dependent and it was very versatile and you could see that the body was moving in its natural planes of motion. And I thought... It's well, quite skill, skill-based. Exactly. Sense, yeah. And I thought there's definitely some trans transferability here with with climbing and the way in which you move on the on the wall could you explain to us what calisthenics training is yeah so it's essentially um body weight training um and you know a lot of people think of this as you know doing push-ups and and pull-ups and uh you know body weight squats and things like that but there's i mean there's there's very few 
muscle groups that you can't target intensely with calisthenics training. And a lot of the training methods are derived from gymnastics as well. Um, And, uh, you know, anyone that's watched any kind of gymnastics training, um, especially things like the rings, will, will see you know, how strong, how impressively strong these, these athletes are. Yeah. And um, the other thing that's, that's fairly unique with calisthenics is that there's quite a, quite a big uh, element of isometrics. Okay. So if you think yeah. about all these kind of impressive body weight um, exercises, things like, uh, as I said, human flags um, pl- and planches and uh, uh, front levers, back levers, iron cross, all these things are all static. So they're all isometric. And of course, what do we do when we're climbing most of the time? When trying we're trying to maintain tension. And exactly, when we're, when we're locking positions. off or working on steep terrain and, and utilizing the core, but we're very, you know, we're very kind of, um, you know, rigid at times. And, uh, and I think that element as well also kind of caught my eye and I thought, well, that could be, could be useful here. So it was, it was more of just a way of being able to continuously challenge myself, keep things interesting but also spend less time in a gym and more time in a climbing gym was, was probably the real driver behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think there's good utility in, uh, say, someone that's not trained calisthenics before, incorporating that into their training program for climbing and building strength? Yeah, I would, I would say so. As I said, I think it's a really, really versatile um, method of training, uh, even more so you know, obviously what we've seen over the pandemic with, with gyms and facilities having to close down and people looking for ways to push their training and strength levels at home, but mm-hmm. not necessarily with, with any, um, you know, equipment or, uh, you know, room even to, uh, to have equipment. So calisthenics yeah. obviously offers that opportunity. You can do a lot of a bar, right? And I've had lots of clients like going to parks, trying to get outside. Yeah. Um, and you can do this in the park, can't you? There's loads of stuff you can do. Exactly. And even if you've got a TRX or rings, you know, off a tree, off, yep. a, off a post. Uh, I mean, even Ivan had, uh, for a short period of time, uh, resistance bands uh, tethered to the post that's the washing line yep. in, my, in my garden. Um, so, uh, yeah, no fancy equipment needed. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, right. So I, I wanted to ask you um, what your strength training looks like at the minute. Uh, so you did loads of calisthenics training and were always in the gym before climbing. You came to climbing and you've started doing more calisthenics training now. What does it look like as a whole? Is that pretty much all you do for your SNC, your strength and conditioning? Um, so or are you doing other stuff? Yeah, so I, I do still um, do a lot of the kind of traditional compound lifts, um, things like deadlifts, squats, bench press. Yep. Um, I find that, you know, I do enjoy that. I, I, I do en- enjoy, um, you know, seeking out those, those big numbers on, on those lifts, which is a little bit different, of course, from, uh, from calisthenics. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess I've, I've found probably a more appropriate balance now um, between the two. So there's certain things that I found when I was doing a lot of calisthenics training that I thought was perhaps, um, you know, maybe overdoing it, a lot of overhead work. So if you spend a lot of time on parallels and upside down... Yeah. Um, as well as having your arms elevated when you climb in well it, it, it wasn't before long that um, I was you know running into perhaps overuse injury and, and things like that and that's not to say that it couldn't be managed in a smart way it's more because because of the skill nature of it especially things like handstands um, it does demand quite a lot of time to get competent in it and 
you know, when you're very close to being good at something, and well, everyone knows what it's like, you build up a bit of momentum in your psyche and you're like, yeah. ah, I probably shouldn't do handstands today, but, I'm, but I might. <laughs> I might anyway. I might throw a couple of in. Couple it starts to become end. more enjoyable the more well-skilled exactly. you Exactly. And it's, it's very easy then to, 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 to overdo it. So, you know, generally speaking now, I'm strength training at most two times, two times a week. Okay. Um, so that adds that's fairly minimal compared to what, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fairly minimal. But that then that opens up more opportunity to be more flexible with my climbing training. Um, you know, focus a little bit more on those climbing specific aspects. Um, and uh, and yeah, and I guess I'm a I'm a much busier guy now as well than I was a few years ago. Yeah. So uh, you know, something something's got to give there as well. And I think uh, you know, for me now. Um, you know, climbing performance is, is key. I've built a lot of strength in my years of training. So, you know, there's only a few areas really that I'd like to, to, to improve on at the moment. And that's, for your climbing or just general training? Just general, literally just general training. Yeah, yeah. just general training. Um, obviously, the lockdown was, was challenging um, for me. I did, I did revert back to doing mostly calisthenics when I was at home. But then there's certain lifts and, uh, you know, I guess when you've put a lot of time and effort into, uh, into training, um, you know, it's a li- it can be a little bit of an ego hit, really. You know, if yes. you've yeah, yeah. had six months out or even probably closer to 12 months from me from, from deadlift and then you go back to the bar and you're, you know, you're lifting half the weight you did before, you're kind of like, there's, there's just something a little bit boosting about, you know, feeling, feeling strong, feeling good overall. If you're an engineer or a scientist, you love Formula One, you love cycling, you love learning about how new technologies are changing the world around us, then I thought you may want to listen in to my new podcast, the Neil Ashton Podcast. We talk to leading engineers and scientists from around the world, hear about their life stories, hear about new technologies, and hopefully educate you and give you a better sense of how key things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, supercomputing are changing the world around us. If that sounds like it's something you might like, you should come and have a listen. Um, Do you think performing well in these lifts, even if it's, you know, we might say well above the standard you needed for climbing a certain grade, mm-hmm. do you think it's, it makes you climb worse if you're not performing quite as well? Do you kind of put value in, in lifting really heavy so to if, be able to climb? Um, so for me personally, if I'm feeling strong from a strength from an overall strength perspective then i feel good on the wall as well yeah the two do go hand in hand to some extent now i I fully acknowledge you know i'm not an elite climber if i was i probably wouldn't have had the path that i've taken um but you know it's it's all about what's important to you and what you enjoy and you know for me you know even from a kind of mental health perspective it's it's very easy to you know, go out with good intention to climb well and be shut down on something that you've previously done well on or it could be the conditions are different, you're just having a bit of an off day. Yeah. Whereas with the with the training side of things, it's just another opportunity to give yourself that mental that mental boost, you know, yeah. and having a having a good hard training session. Um 
really does work wonders for me from a from a mental perspective and yep. uh, sets me up with that positive mind frame as well yep. feeling strong climbing well sort of thing yeah exactly yep. yeah feeling feeling healthy you know yep. i often say to uh, to people because um, i do i do work as uh what's called a health advisor within private healthcare as well um so i see a lot of people from the you know the general public that will say i don't i don't uh, get to the gym all that often because you know, I am tired at the end of the day. I've got lots of commitments at work and at home and things like that. And yeah, of course, you know, I've got to appreciate that everyone's lives are that little bit different and not everyone has the same scope to, to train. But, uh, you know, I would say that actually the best I feel on any given day is often after I've had a training session. Yeah. You know, so, yep. you know, with the really hot weather we've been, we've been having, I mentioned before we started that I've not been sleeping particularly well, <laughs> as, a, as I expect the vast majority of the UK at the moment. Um, so a lot of kind of broken sleep and, you know, off the back of that, I'm going to be sensible and not run myself into the ground training. But equally, I know that when I go for a session later, that'll probably be the best I feel all day. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I wanted to ask if you, you came into climbing clearly very well conditioned, very strong. Um, and I imagine, you know, when you first started climbing, climbing V1, V2, you're probably able to do a muscle up at the time. Do you think that made it more difficult to develop skills in the early days of climbing because you were just so so strong um probably yeah you know in in hindsight i'd have benefited from having an experienced climber essentially saying to me take it easy right because i could go in you know as he he said i could go into a climbing center and pretty much campus all the all the easy stuff yeah and it's only really when you know my technique was lacking and i found myself kind of overstraining myself to progress you know I knew that finger strength was important I knew that flexibility and mobility was important I didn't quite realize the impact of having good footwork I understood of course that you know getting more weight of your feet made it feel easier on your hands but you know at that moment in time and at that level of climbing well I could push through it anyway yeah so I came away from sessions with trashed skin sore elbows sore shoulders you know that kind of stuff because i could force my way through it and it was only after probably you know a couple of a uh, couple of injuries that really kind of set me back that i thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take this from the beginning and i pretty much you know went in you know into the climbing center and tried to look at it from a fresh perspective and yeah. i think i'm gonna try and get up this as efficiently as possible as opposed to as powerfully or as quickly as, as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the difference between just practice or, or going into gym and climbing and then mm. deliberate practice. So telling yourself like this, I'm here to, to learn skills, not just to climb. Yeah. I, think, I think that's something I see in climbers, which, um, you know, very strong. Maybe they've got really good finger strength or they've got one asset, which is, is helping them get up stuff when maybe mm. their movement isn't there. Um, and actually coming back, coming back to them and saying, you know, you can, you can definitely climb this, like, yeah. but actually go to back to the easier stuff, just take it back a step and think about trying to climb efficiently and, and working on your skill more, more so than just letting strength for that one asset take you through the climb. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's difficult if you are, you've got that asset to take you through because it's also can be a bit of an ego thing as well. Like I, I would do this with, with flexibility and I, you know, I, I suck on a board. I suck at like basic, like square on style. Um, and I probably will try and stay away from it. But I think it's, yeah, you've got to put yourself in these situations and um, focus on the deliberate practice rather than just, just climbing lots. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the other thing is, there's, you know, for me now, I recognise the difference between climbing something and getting a tick and climbing it well. Yeah. And for me now, I would rather climb something well, um, unless, of course, it's just an, an awful, uh, you know, problem that you just want to get see see the back of. Um, I'm sure we've all had one or two where, you know, you'd yeah. keep dropping a final move and you just think, do you know what, I'm going to get through this. And when I do, I'm never looking at it again. Yeah, can't wait to finish it off. Exactly, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, generally now I do try and take the approach of I want to try and climb something properly. I want to try and climb something well. And sometimes that might even mean if I'm doing like an indoor circuit, you know, I'll aim for a flash. And if I get it, great. But then I might do it again and just think, well, actually, how could I have done that that better? And uh, I mean, I've got a, a very, very long way to go. I still think, you know, I do put a lot of time into training, as I said, mostly through enjoyment. I don't feel that strength or even finger strength holds me back at the level that I'm climbing. Um, and a really good example of that, actually, is that, you know, for most people, or say for a lot of people, actually, their climbing took a little bit of a hit over the pandemic. They weren't able to to do that movement to, to side and do that yeah but you know for for me and being based in in Sheffield and very very short distance from you know from some rock it meant that I was able to get out more often and even though I would say I took quite a uh, quite a leap backwards in terms of strength and definitely finger strength um because I actually suffered a a, a pulley rupture um just before we went into into lockdown but I would say that my Climbing was probably better as a result of actually spending a little bit more time on the on the rock um, than it had been had been before, and that's really where I kind of started to gain this appreciation of of uh, you know maybe it's not all about <laughs> maybe it's not all about all about the training and the strength parameters. You know, sometimes it is experience, and uh, especially on on grit, it's very much getting to grips with. Um, you know, trusting your feet on these holds. Very particular style, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I think it's interesting you say that. I've noticed if I've taken a knockback in certain things, often that's when I make big like realizations or have mm. epiphanies about certain things. So like when I hurt my finger and I couldn't use a crimp for, for months, I was like free finger dragging everything and I felt like I learned how to use a new grip type. Yeah. And I was like able to hold holds in a different way. And, and the same things happened with, um, hurting like other parts and, and getting involved in flexibility and climbing in different ways that mm. I just hadn't done before and you make these big leaps forward when actually something else has like pushed you back and then mm. once you bring it all back together you kind of develop as a climber which I yeah. think is an interesting concept that actually we can make the most of these bad times um, yeah yeah I think um, you know climbers they they're a very committed you know population of of, uh, of of athletes aren't they at the end of the day um you know sometimes that works against against you because that that psych or disappointment of not being able to um you know perform as well or if you're injured um it can mean sometimes prematurely pushing yourself when you're not ready and not giving yourself adequate healing time and, and things like that but also it can work as you said it can work um to help improve and and, and actually basically make you a better all, all rounder um, in yeah. the future because like you said you know if you've got an injured finger but thinking actually my flexibility is not that great in these positions perhaps I could work on that um, or you know for me one of the things that I found made a little bit of a difference is that I started to do more more cardio now you'd say well 
you know, running a cycling is not necessarily going to be the most effective way of, of boosting climbing performance. But what it meant was, you know, if I ever had to do, um, you know, quite a strenuous uh, approach, you know, carrying loads of pads. We'll get up to Stanage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially if you're going up to kind of like um, the high, high neb and that kind of stuff where, you you know, you're slogging up a hill. For, for That's a about 40 minute walk in for some of you Americans that like <laughs> have a three hour approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> true. But just yeah, feeling. not very fit in terms yeah. of cardio then. <laughs> Feel, well, I'm just thinking like, you know, feeling really fresh, you know, feeling warmed up and ready to go. Yeah. Um, more than you know, being oh, I'm really too tired now. I'm not, I'm not that unfit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that unfit. Yeah, I'm too tired to climb. That was yeah. a long walk. Um, but I mean, like the the little bit, of, you you do notice it. You know, you do notice if you are that little bit fitter. Yep. That you know, walking uphill, um, you know, is is much less less strenuous, and you tend to like recover that little bit faster as well between yeah. between attempts. So it just means that the quality of your session overall is better, even if it's not having a direct impact on your you know your performance on on the wall. Um, so yeah, I find some some benefit of just doing a little bit more uh, aerobic training as well, and it was nice to do something a bit different as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so one last question then um, before we wrap up, and this is kind of a phenomenon we see with s- certain people. They might say, "I'm like a non-responder to strength training," or "I've tried to get stronger and I can't." What would you say to these people? Is that there's something they're doing wrong, or are they just people which are non-responders to strength training? So unfortunately, there are always going to be, you know, biological differences between individuals. Um, you know, this is very apparent in the in the elite. You know, when you look at elite performers, say in sprinting, well, there's a very good chance that those people were were fast, you know, long before they did any training to enhance that. Um, and you also do get individuals, um, and I've seen this myself through doing, you know, performance testing, VO2 max testing, with people who have a very high natural baseline for aerobic capacity as well. Yeah. So there are differences, um, you know, between individuals from a genetics point of view and how people respond to training. But I wouldn't ever say a person is completely, un- you know, doesn't have the capacity um, to respond at all it just might be that their approach is a little bit different i mean know? we're not talking about um olympic athletes here we're not talking mm. about people at the top of their game these are people that probably are you know they've tried it and they didn't see the gains they wanted or they didn't maybe uh get as strong as they're expecting to and so probably write it off a bit too early i'd say yeah definitely i mean you know consistency is really really key with these things yeah. um you know Adaptation, muscle adaptation is very, very complex. There's lots of different mechanisms behind it. Um, some of those are neural, as people will know. Some of them are, are, are structural. Um, you know, some people who are expecting to see muscle growth within a short period of time, um, you know, perhaps need to be, you know, more, more consistent um, and, and look at it from a more long-term perspective rather than kind of chasing these short-term gains. Um, but I mean, there's, there is going to be differences in, in response between individuals. Um, but I would I would say that there's very few people who wouldn't benefit from, you know, consistent exposure to a new a new stimulus and just sticking with it over time. And sometimes it's very easy as well to say, well, I just must not be you know responding to this. But you know, what else in the lifestyle could be optimized to help promote? an adaptive response you know is a person getting enough sleep is their diet on point are they overtraining do they have a lot of 
you know stress at work or at home that's that's yeah. affecting um, the quality of their training as well yeah so there's lots of different elements to it and I think just being consistent and sticking at something um, is, is really key yeah cool yeah so I think consistency looking at what, you, what else you're doing so sleep allostatic load everything else going on in your life and then even overtraining perhaps you're doing too much so that could be something that people do quite often they jump into it way too quick they don't have that gradual approach and then maybe they get hurt or, or something and say strength training doesn't work for me yeah. cool okay so uh i'm gonna go with ed and ed's gonna take me through some uh, calisthenic exercises uh next door and show me what it's all about but uh thanks for sticking around and we'll catch you next time cheers Thank you.